Today we discuss Danny Rowling's brutal crime spree in Gainesville, Florida. We'll talk about his gruesome murders and the sadistic crime scenes Rowling left at each site. We'll also take a look at how Rowling finally ended up on the police's radar for his murders, the bizarre way he went about confessing, and the courtroom battle over whether or not he should be put to death. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. As far as part two of this story goes, stick around. It's no Empire Strikes Back, but it's not half bad. This is Necronomapod. Danny Rowling said he killed five students to send a message to Gainesville. Today, the jury sent a message to Danny Rowling. A majority of the jury, by a vote of 12 to 0, advise and recommend to the court that it impose the death penalty upon Danny Harold Rowling. Unanimous death recommendations for each of Rowling's murders. Danny Rowling, for whatever reason, and it's far beyond what I'll ever understand, decided to visit horror on these on this town and on these students in ways that it's unimaginable. Rowling terrorized his victims. Sonia Larson, Christina Powell, Krista Hoyt, Manny Tabuada, and Tracy Paulus. So is The Empire Strikes Back the best Star Wars movie of all time? It is for me. I have not seen all the Star Wars movies. I don't like Star Wars I've at seen, all. I've seen the original. I think we've discussed this. I've seen the original three and then the Jar Jar Binks one. Jar Jar Binks, not good. What What is the first one with him with like Anakin, right? The little kid, Darth Vader. Seen the first or second one? I forget those. The, the, the I think it three. was the first of like those Phantom, that second that second trilogy, right? It was like the first, the initial trilogy. Yeah, and there was like that second trilogy, right? Right, but it was it the first movie or the second movie? I think it was the first. Was one. it? I don't remember. Was that the Phantom Menace? So bad. Yeah, I, I'm no Star Wars ex- expert. I just uh, yeah. was trying to come up with a good second parter <laughs> for the opening. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like most people like Empire Strikes Back, right? I mean, unless you want the feel good Return of the Jedi. Ooh. Yeah. Empire's great. Yeah. Okay. Ian doesn't like him at all. He had to throw in the at all. At I, all. I tried really hard multiple times. <laughs> I just can't get into it. Well, you don't and I like shit say. like that. But I don't just, blame you, man. Science fiction. It's not my thing either. Well. <laughs> but at least those, those I have seen and they're okay. Star Trek. I have not seen a single thing. I don't even know how that's possible. It's very possible. It's very easy. I've seen more Star Trek than I've seen Star Wars, and I just don't love Star Trek either. Oh, boy. I don't know what it is about both of them. Just Science fiction. That's the problem. No, it's I'd just like not to- good. <laughs> Science fiction is not good. It's the best, man. No. It's brutal. What about uh, Battlestar Galactica? Did you watch that? Isn't that like the other? Like I watched third the biggest? original series when I was a kid. I never watched the, oh, was the, the new redo one? a couple years ago. I did not know it was a redo. I loved it though the original one. The redo was you didn't see. I didn't watch it. You didn't do that either. No. Assuming okay, we probably have a lot of science fiction nerds really pissed at us right now. I had like Battlestar Galactica models and stuff for the did you? The ships. Yeah, it was great. Like the ones like you had to like paint yourself and like put together, or you just like like probably the, the easy snap ones. Yeah, like the toys yeah, yeah, that yeah, you'd yeah. play with and. You put them together, but there's like snap lock stuff. Walking around, you're going pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Probably was. <laughs> right. I love sci-fi. I don't know how you can't get into sci-fi. Uh, it's not my You thing. watch Dune? Watch the new Dune? We, I think we talked about this. What, what was that for? That oh, was so good. What was it for, though? It's, Wasn't a, that? it's a movie. Yeah, but based it was, on a book. 
based on the book. Oh, that's too. right. Because you were the one you correctly got right. It was multiple books. Yeah. You had thought it was a standalone. Yeah. There were uh, there were a few other books. Yeah. I no, I did not. I started reading a book this week. Very delinquent in some of those old books. <laughs> I thought you were just saying I started reading a book. Like, Good for you, pal. Very proud of you, Dave. <laughs> I hop. I hop on pop. <laughs> what? What? Which did you start reading? Dune. The original. Oh, the Dune. original yeah. Dune. You had not read it previous to uh-uh. seeing the movie. Had you read it? No, okay. have not seen it yet either. It is really good. I've been hearing good things about it. I've seen it on the the interwebs. Yeah, I think the last thing I watched was uh, Squid Game. That was I've, fun. I've heard interesting yeah. things about that yeah. as well. It's good. Is that a movie or a ser- like a series? Is it? Mm-hmm. Did you watch that Blood Red Sky movie I told you about? No, it is fucking awesome. Which what? What's that one about? Uh, like a hijacked plane. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It is really good. I was surprised. That sounds terrifying. It's my pick of the week right there. Dave's pick of the week. What is it called? Blood Red Sky. Blood Red Sky on Netflix. Man, is it cool? It's a movie, right? Not a series. It's a movie. All right. We'll go check that out. Speaking of moving on, (laughs) we got part two of our old boy, uh, Danny Rowling. So where we left off on part one, Danny had murdered Tom Grissom, Tom's adult daughter, and Tom's eight-year-old grandson. From there, he got into an argument with his father, where 30-plus years of abuse boiled over into Danny shooting his father twice, with one of those being right between the eyes. After robbing his friend, Danny traveled to Colorado, where he raped numerous women, then turned around and started heading south for Florida. We said in part one, uh, Danny was in and out of prison for robberies multiple times, Uh, But that was all that was on his record. The fact that he was looking in women's windows, uh, that he was a rapist and a murderer wasn't known to the police. Like he wasn't on the radar for any sexually motivated crimes. However, somehow his father survived being shot between the eyes. So now Danny was wanted for attempted murder. He went to the Richard Ramirez school of headshots, apparently. I don't know how you survived that. I don't Dude, know. Between the eyes. That's right. God damn. I mean, I know his dad was a piece of shit, so I don't want to praise him, but shit. Shot between the eyes. Survive. Hard skull, apparently. Yeah, it would have to ricochet or maybe yeah. not. I don't I don't know. I mean, it couldn't have gone all the way through, right? Like I mean it, I don't think so. Depending on how, how it exited, I guess. Cause I if I remember right, with Richard or uh, yeah. Richard Ramirez, one of them like went in and then bounced and then came out the other side, but it, it like depends. angled through. It's a game of inches, I'm sure. Yeah, just how it than, is. It's got to be less than inches, though, yeah, right? right. Like, we're talking millimeters sure. here. Well, I'm a dumb American. I don't know what um, metric is, so true. that sounds right. Is that smaller than inches? I don't know. I just saw the word <laughs> online and said I, I try to use it. I try to work it in today's show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know any of that. I mean, I've been told I'm the size of millimeters before. (laughs) It must be a compliment then. Well, she was upset. (laughs) (laughs) So towards the end of August 1990, Danny showed up in Gainesville, Florida, where he went to a Walmart and bought a tent, screwdriver, tape and gloves. Oh, he's going camping. Sounds good. Then he headed into the woods near the University of Florida and started searching for his next victim. 
Danny wanted to start his next set of murders on August 23rd, 1990. So he climbed onto a balcony of an apartment and took off all of his clothes. So standing there naked, except for a fanny pack that had a K-bar knife in it and some tape. Why did he want to start it on August 23rd? Like, what's the significance of that? I think it's just that that was going to be. That was because this kid told himself like, okay. Yeah. Like, this is the night that I'm going to do it. It was no significance. He just got, he was like, tonight's the night. And so he's doing this, standing there naked. And some drunk college kid walks by and sees him and was like, oh, hey, there's this fucking naked guy up there. And then Danny had to run away. Got it. The next night on August 24th, Danny broke into the apartment of two 17-year-old freshmen, Sonia Larson and Christina Powell. Using a screwdriver to get the front door open, he walked in to find Christina Powell asleep on the couch. According to Danny, he stood there and watched Christina sleep for about 10 minutes then he went upstairs and watched Sonia sleep for about five minutes. So are we saying he operated in the nude when he did these crimes? This one he did not. Okay. Just that one that we know of. Yeah. Prepared. For some reason he did uh, that. Maybe he's like, eh, this might not be the best idea logistically. So he wore all black for black, everything mm-hmm. ski mask, all that. Would you guys ever wear a fanny mm-hmm. pack? I kind of want to get a part of that movement. Cause there's people who are now bringing them back and wearing them. Really? I would do a fanny pack. I hate things in my pockets. Hate them. Like when I go to a place where I have to carry stuff like that, I just have that black Adidas bag, like small backpack, like Ian's bag. Yeah. He carries. Yeah. You're a little more prone to getting it stolen, though. I mean, you might not know what's going on behind you. Fanny pack. I'm aware. Right there. I'm aware of what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> You're always aware. Of everything around you. Fucking Mac from all the sunny over here. That's sneaking up on me. <laughs> He passed the ocular test. <laughs> I spin around. I spin around and do one eighties at random. You never know. Karate, karate style hands out. Like, Ugh. I'm watching you guys behind me. I don't know. I would rock a fanny pack. I'm just saying. Aren't they big it. in the wrestling community? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, well, I thought so. they're also selling merch too. So they got all that cash all the time. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not against it. I just don't think it's for me. So you would not wear Zubas and a fanny pack. To our next concert we all go to together. I don't know what a Zuba is. This is uh, fucking like the, uh, like, um, what's the print even called? Like those bright neon pants they used to wear back in like, you'll see like the old wrestlers wearing them. Um, let me pull it off for you. Okay. Zubas, man. Come on. I mean, they don't sound great based on your initial explanation. No, they're not. But with a fanny pack too, <laughs> like that's Zubas, right? <laughs> no, no. You wear that with a fanny pack. No. And, uh, and like, a you know, a, a, tank top you're a fucking pro wrestler right yeah I, yeah. yeah or at least mistake you want to get some zubas with me we can do that you like my outfit brother you can literally get them in every nfl team color <laughs> dave you want to get some cleveland brown zubas well that might be all right as long as we don't wear steelers pants well he can get steelers you get browns you wear them on sundays around your house hmm. i would be up for that with a fanny pack you can keep beers in them okay <laughs> all right anyways i i I would I would enjoy a fanny pack at some point in my life. Well, and ours will get more used this season because we'll be wearing them in the playoffs, and Ian won't be wearing his in the playoffs. Um, so we're at six <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so at the end of those five minutes of watching Sonia sleep, Danny stabbed the knife into Sonia's collarbone area, then immediately put tape over her mouth as she woke up. 
And remember that knife, that K bar knife, that's an eight inch blade, oh. like with that hook and it's serrated like the um, military knife. Sonia suffered numerous defensive wounds on her arms and hands trying to fight Danny off. But within a couple minutes, Sonia had passed out from blood loss and Danny left her there to bleed to death. He then walked back downstairs and woke up Christina by taping her mouth shut. Danny wrestled with her and was able to tape her hands behind her back. Afterwards, he raped Christina multiple times over uh, over an extended period of time. And when he was done, he stabbed the knife into the middle of her back. Once Christina died, Danny turned her over, cut off her breasts, and then wrapped them in plastic. Danny cleaned up what sexual evidence he left behind. Like we talked about last week, he used vinegar. Then he posed the bodies for shock value, just to torment whoever was the first to find the scene. With Christina, Danny sat her upright in the living room with her legs spread. The main reason that she was sat upright was so whoever walked in would immediately see that her breasts had been cut off. With Sonia, Danny posed her at the end of her bed on her back with her knees bent so that her feet were touching the floor. Danny then took a nap in Christina's bed, and after he woke up, he took a shower before leaving. It's very bold. I don't know who could be coming over, you know? Oh, yeah, you're just hanging out sleeping. Yeah, taking a nap. And again, just the randomness of this is what makes it so terrifying. This could happen to anybody. And he never, with his murders, even dating back, back, dating back to last week, he never like panicked or kind of had the same composure with all of them, right? Like the way we talked about, he killed those people in the last one, cleaned up the, the crime scene in no hurry, took his time left, mm-hmm. now showering. It's really weird that like, zero to a hundred with like at least the murders yeah but always composed i think that's where people start comparing him to uh dennis rader and we talked about that last week yeah. how dennis rader sat there and just thought about doing the you know committing a murder like that for years and watching people and then had it all planned out in, his head yeah. in advance but i'm also wondering just like what his past mental health too and abuse played a part in that as well like if, if it was just like, oh, it's nothing like it's people screaming. OK, I, I screamed my whole life as well when I was getting beaten, all point. those head injuries and whatever. It's a good point. Just interesting. The head injuries for sure, because the biggest thing that when and we'll talk about it when we get to the court stuff is that one of the, the parts that he suffered an injury to controls impulse control. And we're going to see it throughout the story. He has zero impulse control, just robbing random people. Mm-hmm. Now that's interesting. Uh, like no cool down period. And that's what one of the um, psychiatrists said, that he was lacking that impulse control part of his brain. The next night on August 25th, Danny broke into the apartment of 18-year-old Krista Hoyt. And interestingly, Krista looked exactly like Danny's ex-wife, Omatha. Not sure if that's why he chose her or how long he had been watching her, but all of these victims he watched for at least a couple days. Using a screwdriver, Danny broke the lock on the sliding glass back door and went inside. Crystal wasn't home, so Danny hid behind a bookshelf and waited. When she got home a couple hours later, Danny jumped out, wrestled her to the ground, and taped her arms behind her back. Danny raped Krista for about an hour straight and stabbed her with his knife randomly. 
When he was done, Danny rolled Christina over and stabbed her in the middle of the back, killing her. After she was dead, he rolled her back over, stabbed the knife into her stomach, and cut upwards. He cut off her nipples and laid them on her intestines that were exposed and then cut off her breasts and wrapped them in a towel. As in the previous murders, Danny cleaned up before leaving, and when he got back to his campsite, he realized that he didn't have his wallet with him, so he rushed back to Krista's apartment. When he got there, Danny decided to decapitate her and then position her body for shock value. Danny positioned her in the middle of the bed in a sitting position with her legs spread, so her headless body, no breasts, and her intestines outside of her body laying on her thighs. Next, Danny picked up Krista's head and set it on a bookshelf next to the bed to make it look like she was looking at her own mutilated body. And then finally, Danny set up mirrors so the scene could be visible from multiple angles for the person that found the scene. Ooh, sick fuck, man. Is he getting off on the crime scene that they're going to find? Like what? There's more effort going into that than like the actual murders themselves, it seems like. So again, with the, the psychologist for the um, in the court stuff, there was two opinions. One was that he was doing it out of spite towards police because his dad was a cop and he hated his dad. So, so he wanted he, to make it as awful for them as possible. He, yeah. For the police as possible. And then there was other opinions that, cause he was diagnosed as having a paraphilia as far as, yeah. you know, getting off on this stuff. I'm sure he was, but the cop thing seems I mean, reasonable too. both make very much yeah. sense. Like, I mean, to get as specific as like cutting off nipples, like that's not going to add much to the cop scene as opposed to like a decapitated head sitting there and mm -hmm. all these mirrors and, you know, all that. Well, I'm sure as soon as he left, he's going back to his campsite thinking, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And then it's like, oh, my wallet's gone. Time. It gives me a round two. I get to go back. Yeah. So he went for it. I don't know if we'll come across a more graphic crime scene than that. That's, uh, I mean, Ed Kemper maybe, but. Was it Kemper or Gein with the like the nipple necklace thing? Ed Gein had a Gein. nipple belt. Yeah, this is fucked up. In all fairness to Ed Gein, though, those weren't murder victims. Those were bodies he dug up. True. He didn't kill enough people to have a belt of nipples. In all fairness to Ed Gein. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a, a belt of vaginas. He had. Dead I remember too, he had right? nine he vaginas like, under his bed. Was it a nipple lampshade? I don't remember. He had lampshades made out of skin. Yeah. I remember that was our first show and I was making jokes about fleshlights and stuff. And I'm like, well, this show's probably not going to last very long. <laughs> I think we all know oh, that. Here now. we are. <laughs> Almost three years later. <laughs> like, this is very distasteful. No one's going to listen to this. So once both crime scenes were found, police knew immediately that the murders were linked. By now, Gainesville law enforcement was familiar enough with serial killing, thanks to Ted Bundy, when he broke in the Chi Omega sorority house and brutally killed college students and severely injuring three others back in 1978. Never hear of that guy, Mike? Ted Bundy? Never heard of her. Huh. What'd she do? <laughs> Is she a cult leader? <laughs> You wrote the book, though, right? I did. I, I was kidding. I'm being... Yeah. I'm well, being, and you did a lot of slaying at the uh, sorority house, so I thought you might have. <laughs> <not familiar. laughs> 
Some called me Mr. Bundy. <laughs> Al, Al Bundy. <laughs> but still. I played high school football. <laughs> Always had my hands on my pants. <laughs> Always had a beer in my hand. Really, nothing Nothing has changed. <laughs> That's what you aspired to, right? You watch Al Bundy in grade school, you're like, I want to be. I want to be that guy. I want to be a shoe salesman (laughs) who comes home every day, is angry about his life, drinks beer, and puts his hand on his pants. (laughs) Police move fast in creating a task force to find the killer, and panic spread around the University of Florida. Police held a press conference on Monday, August twenty seventh, where they confirmed that the three murders were connected. They didn't give specifics of how bad the crime scenes were, but this news spread fast. And it went nationwide pretty quick. I remember. Gainesville operators were having a hard time keeping up with the phone lines uh, from either parents calling to see if their kids were okay or college students calling their parents to let them know that everything was fine. Students start sleeping in groups like 10 to 12 people start huddling in small apartments and no one was walking home alone at night. And while everyone was panicking and trying to stay safe, Danny struck again on August 27th. I'm sure all the parents just wanted to go down and pick up their kids and bring them home. Like that's terrifying. There was a lot of that. And there was, um, I think it was the, the college radio station was reading out, um, like, a a pre-written thing from, I don't know if it was the mayor or somebody, but just like reading this thing over and over again to like evacuate, go home if you can. Wow. Yikes. It was fairly, I mean, the end of August. So like school was, had just started. They probably or getting ready to start depending on what their schedule is. Yeah. Tracy Paulez and Manuel Taboda had been good friends since grade school. And when they went to the university of Florida, they decided to get an apartment together and it was on the ground floor. Manuel was a big guy. He was six, three played football. He was over 200 pounds. He's a little smaller than me then. <laughs> Just a tad smaller <laughs> Just than a tad. I. Yeah. And Tracy felt safe and her parents felt felt that she was safe with Manuel there. Plus, Danny hadn't attacked while a male was present. Just like with his other victims, it's not clear how long Danny had been watching Tracy, but long enough that he knew Manuel lived with her and this would be an issue and had to take care of him immediately. Once all the lights were off in the apartment, Danny broke the latch on the sliding glass door, just like he did in his previous murders, and entered the apartment. Danny silently snuck into Manuel's room, where Manuel was sleeping on his back, then stabbed the K-bar knife into Manuel's chest so hard that it went all the way through, breaking his sternum. This didn't kill Manuel immediately, and he fought back. Danny started stabbing and swinging the knife at Manuel, resulting in a ton of defensive wounds. But Manuel was able to tackle Danny and kind of get him in, get him in a bear hug. But the chest wound mixed with all that energy of wrestling with Danny caused too much blood loss. And Manuel collapsed. And at that point, Danny stabbed him in that open wound on his chest and pulled up, killing him. In all, it took 31 stab wounds to kill Manuel. This is a fucking beast, dude, to be able to get stabbed like that. Break your sternum. You're still going to get up and fight back. Tackle him to the ground. And then it's only it's blood loss that finally settles you down. 
It's too bad he couldn't just snap his neck real quick. Uh, or just get the knife at some point and just mm. slice something, slow him down. Yikes. The defensive wounds always get me. I know I say that every time we bring that up, but just for some reason, those just make me kind of get that stomach feeling. Really? Yeah. When like, you watch horror movies and, and the person grabs the blade under the knife and holds it and you just see the blood start pouring out of their hands, like exactly yeah. like that. The but, woman that Danny that's... raped or attempted to rape last week, we talked about that's how she got mm-hmm. away. She grabbed the blade. Ugh. And I feel like in those horror movies, though, they don't even do it justice. Like it's like that scene, and then that's it. And like then they're getting killed. Mm-hmm. This guy had what thirty-one different stab wounds plus all the you know whatever else cuts he had. Like th- this is a ton more than that too, than just one grabbing of the blade. Yeah, and he's still fighting and fighting. Must have been a mess in there. Oh, for sure. Mm. Tracy walked in to see what was going on and immediately turned around and ran to the bathroom, which was the closest area. She locked herself in, but Danny kicked down the door and bound her with tape like he did the other victims. He then raped her, stabbed her multiple times, and started to drag her body into the living room to pose her. In the living room, Danny realized that Tracy was still alive, so... Instead of killing her immediately, Danny raped Tracy again until she died. Danny posed Tracy similar to the others, but left Manuel's body alone. So this was Danny's last murder, uh, but he wasn't done committing crimes. After leaving the apartment, he buried the murder weapon and gloves nearby, then jumped in the pool of another apartment complex to wash off. After he was cleaned, Danny headed back to his campsite to take a nap. Why did you go to go swimming in the morning and fucking Danny Rowling was taking a bath in your pool, washing all the blood off? Just fucking blood floating around. On Monday morning, August 28th, Manuel and Tracy were found, which caused the panic to skyrocket. Now the killer was willing to attack if a male was there. However, instead of planning another murder, Danny decided to rob a nearby bank. This was a talk about that impulse control. You need walking around money. Who are you to judge? <laughs> At gunpoint, he told the bank teller to fill bags with money and that there better not be any dye packs in them. Uh, but down the road, there was a witness <laughs> that saw uh, the bags explode with pink dye shooting everywhere. Look here. See, don't put any of that pink dye in the money or I'll get you. Wasn't it? Uh, uh, fucking btk who called the police and was like can you trace back where these tapes come from <laughs> yeah. you better not do any of that funny business <laughs> yeah. i'll send you the tapes but you leave me be this is floppy disk right? yeah. like his five point two five floppy yeah. disk that's this guy don't give me any of that die stuff <laughs> you're sure this isn't the money with the die right <laughs> we should do that to somebody we should order a die pack <laughs> and just go in like a heavy traffic area with like a hundred want like a stack of hundred ones and slip it in and just toss it out and then videotape whoever grabs it. <laughs> I would do that. Be a good right. time. I'm in. Do you remember the, the old CKY videos when, when, uh, Bam and, uh, Brandon Dickamello, they went like outside an ATM with a $10 bill and put dog shit on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. and taped this, they picked it up and it dog shit all over their hands. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> Somewhere in this time frame, Danny met another drifter type guy named Tony Danzi, and the two of them became friends. 
And immediately after this pink dye shot everywhere, uh, Danny saw Tony Danzi, but we'll get back to him in a bit. Was it the guy from Who's the Boss? It was the male maid? <laughs> oh, it's Tony Danza. Oh, never mind. <laughs> hey, didn't you used to be on TV? <laughs> when news of Tracy and Manuel's murders broke, the police tip lines were flooded with calls. Very similar to the son of Sam, women were calling in tips on ex-boyfriends or husbands, um, but there was one name that came in over and over, Edward Humphrey. I feel like everyone has that one person who would pop in their head, like if that happened here, you'd be like, oh, I wonder if it's blank. Like the I, feel other like, person. I feel like Dave has someone in mind. Because no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's I not do. Jared from Just Brew Coffee, Mike, if that's what you're suggesting. Guy's a fine, upstanding citizen. He would never commit a crime. I agree wholeheartedly, which is why I would never associate his name with that kind of sentence. <laughs> someone that I know personally or just like someone in town like that I've seen in a town bunch? And you, okay. in, you know, like a triple murder happens in town. Are yeah, you, are you immediately like, fucking, I bet that was that fucking... Uh, we think of the fucking Dodge Charger that's been driving around, right? That's challenger that guy challenger yeah, that yeah. fucking guy see that's a tie-in for my I'm wrap up about. in this there story oh okay well dot 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 stick around yeah. folks ian's gonna tie this into a, a hometown shithead <laughs> I, yeah i mean i i do agree like everyone's like oh i'm gonna call this has got to be so and so no one off the top of my head i would think like oh that motherfucker kills some people at least nobody that's not in this room <laughs> But I wouldn't turn you guys in unless I would hope know. not. Well, we've been down that road before. Just don't confess to me. Don't put me in a situation where I have to lie for you. I wouldn't confess. I'd be like, hey, uh, hey, buddy, you don't have any flights to uh, non-treaty extradition treaty country tonight. Perfect. I'd be like, you know what, pal? I'll get you set up right now. <laughs> or be like, hey, uh, remember the burbs? They're looking for bones in the backyard. <laughs> You want to just recreate that real quick? Just for funsies. For funsies. Me and you in the backyard digging a thunderstorm. Ian's fucking on the roof with binoculars. Do you have any cash or non a credit card that's probably not in your name and not traceable to you at all? That yeah, sure, pal. Can maybe use for a little bit. No problem. Are you going on vacation? All right, no problem. I'll get you set up. Officer, my good friend Dave was just going on vacation. He told me he just wanted to get away for a little while. Wanted to get away from the missus. That's all he said. I just gave him a thousand dollars cash. That's all. And a plane ticket to Tehran. Oh, they don't have an extradition treaty in Tehran and Iran. Oops, my bad. Can I interest you in being a host of a podcast? <laughs> we have an opening. Yeah, we have an opening. Maybe you'd like to uh, talk he's, about. He's probably not coming back anytime soon. <laughs> But no, I can call in from over there. We can do the show. What are you talking about? Our bell did it, right? Yeah. Did it from the Philippines for years. And if any listeners in uh, Tehran could let me know what the uh, how the internet speed is over there, just in case. <laughs> Dave is very interested in just knowing. And if it's hard to learn Farsi or not, just drop me a line. Let me know. <laughs> there are $2,000 cash in a manila envelope taped underneath <laughs> Dave's car, just in case. Never know. So not to judge his looks, um, but a lot of people found Edward Humphrey to look scary. He had pretty much the same exact scars as Heath Ledger's Joker, but 
his behavior is what just was kind of like the icing on the cake for his physical looks. Edward suffered from bipolar one, meaning that he had full blown manic episodes with delusions of grandeur, paranoia, auditory hallucinations, and lack of impulse control. This was heightened by the fact that Edward oftentimes did not take his prescribed medicine and huffed a whole bunch of gasoline. It's not good for you from what I understand. Nope. It's not going to end well. (laughs) The manager of the Gatorwood apartments where Tracy and Manuel had been murdered reported that Edward had been asked to leave after multiple complaints from his roommates that Edward was, quote, weird and walked in his sleep. When the manager and a maintenance worker tried to get Edward to leave, he got violent and threw a chair at them. He had also gotten in trouble similar to Richard Chase. Uh, If an apartment door was unlocked, Edward just assumed it meant that he could go in. And if it was locked, he would look through the windows. And this isn't all the time. This is during a manic episode, but not taking your medicine and huffing gas keeps it going a lot longer than than coming down. In early August 1990, Edward had been in Colorado where he got arrested for disorderly conduct, walking around manic and presumably high from huffing gas, telling people that he wanted to see what their insides looked like. Maybe he was just quoting like Trent Reznor. I want to feel you from the inside. (laughs) Singing closer. (laughs) Trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt here. He was held until his grandmother drove from Florida to pick him up and then drove Edward back to Gainesville. All this behavior was enough for police to focus their attention on Edward, and they waited for him to slip up so they could put him in custody and question him. And admittedly, especially the fact that when he was manic, that he could got it in his head that he could walk in unlocked doors. That's a big issue. Yeah, that's a problem. it seems like a plausible candidate for this. So it yeah. seems like a plausible candidate. Yeah, his biggest absolutely. crime, though, thus far, his violent crime is throwing a chair. At someone who's trying to kick him out of his house. Also. Yeah. I'm just saying also. It seems like a lead they should at least follow up on. They should follow up on. But there's not a ton of violent activity from this guy. No. Saying weird things and throwing a chair once. But I don't disagree. This would be a guy you would definitely keep your eye on. Well, and walking in unlocked doors. But not violent. He's not doing anything violent. He's not attacking anyone. That you know of. Right. You have no proof of. While police were keeping an eye on Edward, he got into an argument with his grandmother and hit her. Edward's mother called the police and Edward was charged with aggravated assault. I don't know the specifics, but Edward was questioned for 24 hours without a lawyer present. When a public defender was assigned to Edward, police sent the lawyer away saying that there was no arrest in the Gainesville case because they didn't have enough evidence against Edward. But I don't know why he couldn't have a lawyer for his other uh, the assault problem. Still in jail. Still so a public defender. Ridiculous. Yeah, they yeah. just told the public defender to get the fuck out. Uh, no, it's not how it works. Mm. Yeah, if I was a public defender, I'd have pulled the you know Florida judicial law book out of my fanny pack. Bam. And I would have been like, <laughs> "Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Even though I'm wearing a suit, a, a, a coat, and zubas, <laughs> I am allowed to enter." On behalf of my client. <laughs> I passed Whether, the bar. These pants say otherwise, but I passed the bar. <laughs> right. These pants these pants say I passed the bar, and I can also roundhouse kick your face off <laughs> right now, should I so choose. 
I don't care if it's disorderly conduct, aggravated assault, or murder. I'm going to see my client. <laughs> That's what should have happened. I, I don't yeah. fully understand that. I would love to see a scene where a lawyer in Zuba is called out a police officer. <laughs> I'd be a big fan of that guy. <laughs> big fan. So Edward's grandmother attempted to drop the charges, but through legal maneuvering, the charges stuck and Edward was sent to Brevard County Jail and held on $1 million bail, which, I mean, he looks like a good suspect at least to look into, but it's fucking crazy to set his bail at $1 million with no evidence. told his attorney, he's not arrested for that. We have no evidence right. and he's not charged. Right. But we're going to slap a million dollars. Inside first job with the judge. There. First time aggravated assault. One million dollars. Yeah. Because that was, he didn't have an arrest record. This was the yeah. first time he had been arrested. They were winking at the judge when they got that ruling. Yeah. And, uh, police basically told the media that they had the Gainesville Ripper in custody mm. and the newspaper started running stories with it and with Edwards mugshot. Which is not only nonsense for that guy, but also people start putting their guard down because they think he's in custody and he's not. It's irresponsible. Yeah. It's very irresponsible. And like we said, though, this this very well should could have been and should have been a suspect or someone under watch. Yeah. But you have zero evidence at this point. They just basically jumped right to it that he was the Gainesville Ripper tunnel vision. Like we've talked about numerous times and yeah. stop looking for other suspects when they think they have their person like that. How many cases do you think have been closed via tunnel vision? A uh, lot <laughs> in a word. <laughs> Lots <laughs> <laughs> like the wrong person was convicted of a crime right? because of tunnel yeah. vision. And then because matters didn't shape out the way it does in a lot of these, and, you know, yeah. that goes part of my, you know, we've talked about it. We all agree. How many people are on death row because of that bullshit? I would say at least. And I don't even know. It's impossible to probably give an actual answer. It is, right? but maybe 20% of the people incarcerated in this country are probably innocent. Yeah. For like, like for you mean like for murder charges for anything you just mean in general, yeah. they got railroaded and that's what they do. They overcharge you. So you take a plea take bargain a plea for and, last you know, lock you up. you're not going to risk 15 years if you can get away with serving three. And that's what they do. So, yeah, I, I was there's probably a lot of so people the, in jail, more like the uh, the felony charges, the murder charges. The, how many people are, you know, arrested and, and charged and or plead out or, you know, the facts are manipulated and they're put in jail. We just had a guy here locally who was convicted 45 years ago of murdering his wife. Just let him out last week couple weeks ago oops are bad yeah sorry 45 years but yeah. so the, over half your life yeah statistically according to the averages you know um about 975 innocent people are locked up every year so almost a thousand people a year are locked up i think it's probably a lot higher than that is that just in general though like i was still looking at like more of like the murder charges and like that was just in general in general yeah. it's what, probably more. Well, what do we have 2.3 million people in prison in this country most incarcerated country on earth i would say I mean, our prison population higher. is more than a lot of countries population right yeah. like right at what point do we become australia are we them? Are we them? It's <laughs> just prison population. Everyone, are we just everyone's them? in jail. Are we just that? Are we Australia now? <laughs> There's Did, guards and inmates. And that's the we, whole country. Do we need to start drinking Fosters? And <laughs> they get the shit on us now? Well, yeah. In a word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So police got search warrants, uh, but they found no evidence. However, Danny Rowling didn't kill again. And because the killing stopped once Edward was in custody, this made police believe it even more that Edward was their guy, which that makes sense, too. I mean, you can't really fault them for that. It's like, okay, the murder stopped while we have, you know, so I I get that part of it. Yeah, that's just confirming what they already believe. Why did the murder stop? Are we going to talk about that later or should we just jump to it now? That's very he, awesome timing yeah or did he know like once he killed that guy what was it, uh manuel okay i i've i've i peaked i've stopped i need to stop like because that actually did him some favors here for a little while at least it's very interesting that he didn't go back to it because most serial killers do i think he probably would have so you think he stopped he was on one of those like cool down periods and then they started picking up Edward's scent and he was like, all right, I'm going to let this play out. Um, I think he was transient and wasn't in a position to carry out those murders. I don't know that he saw Edward get arrested and go, hey, this is my chance to duck out. Let this guy take the fall. So you just think he was just a happenstance in a cool down period? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he was taking his cool down period in the middle instead of how guys usually do it in the beginning. I think if if he wouldn't have gotten caught, I think eventually he would have done this again. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree too. I'm just saying like, I I didn't know maybe this was like a, like a planned thing. Like he kind of saw what was playing out and was like, all right, I'm going to go away now. He has some, he comes up with some, uh, some bullshit answers later on about what eight victims means and stuff. Okay. (laughs) In October 1990, Edward went on trial for assaulting his grandmother, and he was sentenced to 22 months in a state-ran hospital. He was released on September 18, 1991, but he was never publicly cleared by the police and was still widely considered a suspect until Danny Rowling was sentenced. Uh, A nice postscript to Edward's story is that he was able to stop using drugs, took his medicine as prescribed, and became a successful business owner. Hey, how about that? Good for him. Yeah. Awesome story. Great ending. We'll see you next week. <laughs> it's the best way to stick it to the man, right? Yeah. Make, it really make is good for him. Yourself. I mean, that's, it seemed like that guy uh, just had a real rough patch and got himself into a small bit of trouble and then they, you know, blew it up on him. No. Yeah. He sounded like he would have done well in a hospital setting. You know, one way or another, whether Edward would have. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seemed like it sounded like that's what he needed. Is he still like around, like giving interviews and stuff like or, I don't know if anything recent. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think we even talked about off air, like the intensity of these crimes matches the worst of the worst we've ever covered. Yet Danny Rowling, you don't really hear about. Right. And I know I'm coming from me who's on the outside. I don't know any of this shit, but like you guys didn't really know much about a Danny Rowling is this just a forgotten story or I didn't like, does this slip hmm. through the cracks of serial killers? I remember when it happened. I, I don't know that I would have been able to pick his name out of a hat. If you, I remember the Gainesville Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. Me, and like last week I said that, uh, a lot of the shows skip over on him, like oxygen, stuff like that, but they actually have newer episodes from like last hmm. year, but they do gloss over the crimes they don't get into the specifics of like what he actually did, like decapitating them and putting their right. heads and 
tits and nipples and cutting all that off. And yeah, I mean, it's it's really. I can't think of a crime scene more gra- more graphic than his. I have not seen. You've seen photos. No. Oh. I didn't know if there were photos. Or I don't know either. I'm not going to look. I always just think of the OJ Simpson, you know, uh, Nicole Brown crime scene photos. Like that's the worst I've ever seen with regards to at least blood and just yeah. brutality and awfulness. Ted Bundy going through Chi Omega. It's probably one of the most brutal killings you could read about. Just mm-hmm. like absolutely like frantic. Yeah. But as far as like finding it, Danny Rawlings are so much worse than Ted Bundy's even. Which goes back to then what you guys said, which makes sense. Like maybe he was sticking it to the police. Like, oh, I'm going to make your life a living hell because my dad was a cop and fuck him. Yeah, that's completely plausible. And it was like prolonged torture and like, that's real bad. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one, um, his last victim, she, she was alive bleeding out for an extended period of time while he was raping her. I mean, it's but like, I, uh, like I know he's getting his sexual gratification. Okay. And that's fucked up as it is. So my question, like back to what we said, like with the, the crime scenes, what was he getting something out of it? Like watching it play out on the news. Who was the killer that used to like stand in the bushes and watch them find the body? We talked about, him. Oh, Peter Curtin, Peter Curtin. So was he getting off on like watching like the, the, this, these photos come out or like the, 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 the stories on the news mm. or was it just, I'm going to stick it to the cops. Cause fuck them. I'm sure it's a little bit of everything, right? I would think it's both. I think I'm sure you hate if your dad, if your dad treats you like that when you grew up and he's a cop, I'm sure you hate cops. I, I would imagine. I'm sure so. you do. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Cause his father was also really nice to everybody on the outside of the Which world. Is what we said last yeah. week, like everybody he thought he was this guy. great makes police it even officer. Worse. Oh. Yeah. That's even worse then. Right. And is he doing some Peter Curtin? <clears throat> Probably. Probably on top of that. Yeah. Seeing it play yeah. out in the news, seeing someone else get arrested for, for your crimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Good analysis, Mike. I agree. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals? Let's face it. These are certainly trying times. From being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills, we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, 
Everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com slash Necro. Finding a skincare routine that's easy to follow, easy to stick to, that delivers long-lasting results, has been near impossible for most busy men and women. My wife has tried a lot of brands, all different products, all of which promised amazing results. The problem has been making time for complicated routines and way too many products to keep straight. She never used them correctly or constantly forgot a step and just gave up because she didn't see any real results. Hey Honey was a game changer for her. They use honey and bee propolis ingredients that have been used for centuries to create products that eliminate the need for overwhelming amounts of steps in order to see results. For example, the Good Morning Serum acts as a serum and makeup primer that hydrates the skin. All-in-one, easy-to-use product, making it perfect for when you're short on time and it makes traveling a breeze. Hey Honey is real. Using only real testimonies, supported by over 1 million real reviews, promising the real results of each product using real, clean ingredients, being a real, planet-friendly brand, and as a real, pro-grade line for fast-acting, long-lasting, multitasking, and self-adjusting. Visit heyhoney.com and use promo code NECRO for 20% off your first order. That's heyhoney.com, code NECRO, for 20% off your first order. So, like we said before, Danny had become friends with another drifter named Tony Danzi. After Danny robbed the bank where that pink dye just shot all up in his face, he met up with Tony, where Tony gave Danny some acid and weed. Not not a towel? <laughs> what the pink stuff off his face? <laughs> hey, you're all pink. Here's some acid and some weed. <laughs> I know Mike said not to do one, but do both of them. Well, police were sitting not far from where Danny and Tony were. And while Tony was going to try and talk to the police, Danny just took off. Not surprisingly, instead of running, Tony just told police about Danny's campsite, where it was, and then Tony just went on his way. Snitch. <laughs> damn. damn. See the guy with the pink dye pack all over his face? Over there? <laughs> See that pink smoke running? <laughs> Follow that. At the campsite, police found items that would link Danny to the murders later on. But first they found the money with the pink dye on it. And now they were looking for Danny who was on the run. The Gainesville murders were national news at this point, And Louisiana police saw a lot of similarities between the Gainesville murders and the unsolved Grissom family murders in Shreveport. An investigator on the case in Florida traveled to Shreveport and they were able to link the posing of the victims, tape residue on the victim's bodies, and the vinegar used to clean the body. Uh, and, uh, you know, in all fairness, we shit on police investigations a lot. Good on the Louisiana, the Shreveport PD to kind of see that connection a few states away. Uh, there, there's a good interview with uh, one of the detectives from Louisiana, from Shreveport. And he said he was watching the news and 
It's like, that really wow, sounds yeah. familiar. Good for them. Police tested the body fluids from the scene in Shreveport and found that the person also had type B blood, which was the same as whoever committed the Gainesville murders. Shortly after this, someone in Shreveport, Cindy Jurasich, called Crime Stoppers and reported that Danny Rowling was possibly connected to the murders in both cities. The news report about the Gainesville murders made her think about Danny, who she met at a Louisiana church and started hanging out with her husband, Stephen. This is quoted from the Gainesville Times. He'd come over every night for a while, and then one night, Stephen came in and he goes, He's got to go. Stephen told her that Rowling had told him he had a problem, Jurich had said. And I said, what kind of problem? And Stephen said, he likes to stick knives into people. Jurichik said she dismissed these comments when she heard about them because she didn't want to believe Rowling could be responsible for the murders in Shreveport. Danny also told her, one day I'm going to leave this town and I'm going to go with where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. News of the Gainesville murders haunted Jurasich. So she finally contacted police in November based on her hunch about Rowling's connection to the murders in both cities. It would not let me rest, she said. One day I picked up the phone, I called Crime Stoppers, and I said, I think there's one guy y'all need to investigate, Danny Rowling. Wow, she had him pegged. Not the kind of pegging you like, Mike, but like she, <laughs> she, I, she had him. She knew it was him. She did well. Good for her. Hmm. Can you imagine it? Like I know that's that's the guy I know. Yeah, that'd be that's fucking crazy. And just Wild. on a hunch, a yeah. hunch. But like then, you turns out you're spot on. Like that's the guy. You're like the new super cop. Like I'd be walking around <laughs> like they see me rolling. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dicks 39 inches as opposed to the 30 inches it usually is she's applying a quantico the next day to be an fbi agent like, i don't know if you heard Sup, bitches i don't know if you heard i fucking saw more crimes than all of you she probably just put me on the, the, the fast course it's like an easy pass i can buy like at disney just put me to the front of the line who's ray biondi she's fucking ray biondi over here super cop yeah, yeah. When Danny took off after running from the police, he broke into the apartment of a student named Christopher Osborne, where he stole the keys to Christopher's 1978 Buick Regal and then drove toward Tampa. Lucky he wasn't home, right? I wish that'd be interesting. It did a documentary on those people that like just missed being victims. Like that, you know, Danny was on that one um, when he was naked with the fanny pack on someone like someone lived there. Someone got lucky that night that it wasn't they weren't a victim because someone spotted them. Mm. Just get through. I bet you're looking over your shoulder the rest of your life. If you even know, you think those people even knew? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Probably not. Was it difficult also back then? And I, I really don't know. Like, what are we talking about? Early 90s here. He was able to grab a guy's random keys and figure out what car it went to. Like they didn't have like the, the little lock noise gimmick, did they? I I don't know, but I remember my grandma like how, always had Buicks, and the keys for a Buick or di- or were different. Really, very so you different. Could just run out of the parking lot and find a Buick and get in, and be like, "Oh, this works." Yeah, I would have yeah. hmm. known. I had a Buick Regal. I'm trying to remember what the because like you couldn't just hit like the lock button and hear like that little bump bump. 
at least on my grandma's the part that you would hold was like real square and skinny okay. yeah, i don't recall i mean it could have been like a townhouse apartment where it was an attached garage so you knew what car belonged to which apartment or something like that but Maybe yeah good point so i was just thinking like motherfucker it would take me an hour to find out <laughs> nope nope, <not laughs> right, that. Right. nope nope not that nope nope not that all right Maybe it was numbered parking spots. Could have been. So once he was in Tampa, he robbed several houses, but left behind fingerprints and hair at all of these crimes that are just going to come back to haunt him later. He almost was caught as he fled from a convenience store robbery, but was able to run in some nearby woods and hide. Danny stole another car and headed for Ocala, where he attempted a robbery of a Winn-Dixie grocery store during the peak of Saturday afternoon shopping on September 8th, 1990, which is fucking crazy. Like it's a full, it would be like going to a grocery store here on a Saturday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) This is fucking wild. It's not any different, you know, 30 years later, right? Saturdays people shop. Yeah. That's what they do. So it's, that's what I mean. Like imagine you go to Walmart and this fucking guy just finds a manager at gunpoint takes him back to the the office and says empty your safe for as much as he did with his murders to cover his tracks or to try to clean himself up he was not good at the small crimes the robberies i think that's where he was very loose and reckless well i think that's where that impulse control issue comes in that he just cannot control himself driving by Uh, i bet when dixie they got a lot of money they got a safe yeah Yeah. let's do this just walk right in the middle of the day but then why were there no and maybe there were we don't know why are there no random violent acts that way driving down the street oh there's a person walking i'm gonna go brutally murder them that's true there was a lot of planning and watching involved with that uh, like you know like he said five days you know he knew that that one girl was living with manuel or must have known but then oh there's a win dixie or in his mind, which was just a big distinction. If you murder, you got a plan. If you're going to rob, hey, that's a quick job. I don't know. It's just different. Hmm. I don't know. I don't expect answers. I'm just throwing out questions. <laughs> yeah, so no, great question. Call me Brian Williams. Okay, Brian Williams. <laughs> <laughs> so he grabbed the manager at gunpoint and led him to the back office and told him to empty the safe. The store's bookkeeper was on her way back to work, and she called the police when she overheard what was happening outside the office, which at that point, Danny fled in a stolen car. The store manager, Randy Wilson, followed Danny and was able to tell police exactly where he was. As Danny backed out of the parking lot where he stopped, the police pulled in and a high-speed chase began. Not long into the high-speed chase danny crashed his car and fled on foot into a nearby office but as he left through the back door the police were waiting for him and he was arrested while danny was waiting for trial for the robberies police were putting things together and danny talked a lot to one specific prisoner bobby lewis i'm not exactly sure how these two were together because Bobby was on death row and usually from everything, at least that I've read or seen is that death row inmates are kept separate from the rest of the prison population. You mean on death row? Yeah. They're just kept there. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason in Florida, Bobby Lewis and Danny were able to communicate. Do you think there was ever a time when like a guy was on death row who was like put up with like a weekend drunk? Who's like, the guy's like, oh, I'll see you on Monday. And the guy's like, no, you won't. (laughs) Because that'd be cruel, right? Like that. You can't have that. 
Mm. Like you you throw like the DUI guys in there with like the guys on death row and like, ah, well, one of them's getting out in 24 hours. One of them will never see the sunshine again. Yeah, they have different definitions of last meals. Guys like, I had a Wendy's triple before I got here. That's <laughs> <laughs> <guy's> like, oh. <laughs> it's not funny, but it, I mean, yeah, it's comical. It's a little funny. I feel, like there's, a, I feel like there's a sitcom there, right? There's a sitcom. Get some laugh tracks behind mm. that. Like a buddy comedy that's just uh, one guy's death row and the other guy's like. Uh, or maybe a movie because you can't really do a whole sitcom. Mm. Like a movie where one guy's in there for 48 hours and the other guy's like on his, you know, there for forever. Yeah. You could do a series like the guy just keeps getting stays from the, the Supreme Court and stuff. It's like, I'm still here, buddy. <laughs> but I mean, like the guy who has got it was only there for a short time. You gotta have a reason for him to be back. Mm. Maybe he's doing he just a keeps six getting month drunk. in county, or he just I mean, keeps getting drunk. Maybe know? he's doing six month in six months in county, but they transfer him to death row by accident, and then they don't have any room for him, so he's stuck there they for six there. months. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Can you, can we, did we just write a script? It's not bad. This is almost as good as Teddy Roosevelt banging Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's on Patreon, though, right? I think so. Yeah. Well. Join Patreon here. More of that. Refrider, motherfucker. Yeah. Wrote a fantastic script on that one. Gets a little looser on Patreon. <laughs> so does Hermione. <laughs> Apparently. It was adult Hermione. Yes. Just for people inquiring. Of course. Right. Well, what? Emma Watson is only a few years younger than I am, right? Yeah. But sure. It just depends on what Hermione Well, it's not my about. fault. She's been making movies for 107 years. Come on. Adult Hermione. <laughs> it's adult Hermione, of course. I like this uh, death row buddy comedy. Yeah, that's, fucking, that's a really good idea. It's a good one. Like the guy just keeps planning for life after, and his his buddy's like, "Oh, I'll get you." <laughs> Laugh track ensues. Like everyone, you know, it's like the odd this. couple, but yeah. on death row. Yeah. Oh mm. man, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty. It's Pretty good. Siri, how do you write a sitcom? <laughs> we're like, we're going to be like fucking Jerry and George sitting here with like legal pads. Like, all right, you enter. Hey, hey, buddy. Hi. That's right. My new shoes. I like new shoes. We got to sell this idea before the show comes out. <laughs> People can't steal our idea. I hope Netflix is listening. <laughs> he can tell stories about his murder and stuff. Yeah. How he killed people. Executive producers, Dave Namapod, Mike Namapod, <laughs> Ian Namapod. A cool down media production from Netflix. Do we take this to HBO or Showtime? Who's, who's going to want this? Right, take, take it to all of them. <laughs> who's who's going to pay us for this gold mine? <laughs> this is Emmy written, written all over it. It is really funny, actually. It could, but it could be like a dramedy, right? Like they develop a friendship. Yeah, I think. But you so. know where this is heading. This is like Green Mile type shit, It'd right? Like a like, three season arc with it ending as, uh, you know, and the, uh, the guy gets executed. The last ep of the, if the penultimate episode, like, could the friend could be testifying on his behalf? Like, really dramatic scene mm -hmm. why he should be left alive. Such a good person. The friendship, the relationship they built. The things he admitted to him, he knows he's innocent. Maybe get a oh, little Shawshank. Maybe get a little okay. Shawshank in there. I was just having him talk about his murder. No, <laughs> all right, he's no, no. Maybe a little Shawshank, where like the guy hmm. did time somewhere else in like a jail, knew who oh. did the killing, but he gets executed anyway. And the end of the, the show. <laughs> 
is that the the short time guy gets out and scatters the ashes of the the guy that was executed. I a hundred percent agree. Boom, or he smokes them or something cool. Hello, darkness, my old friend. He just rolls a blunt with him. <laughs> and, it, and it's like fucking uh, Big Lebowski. It just all blows back in his face. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. It's <laughs> <That was> fantastic. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a half hour of our lives we just spent to that. <laughs> Which we will all sober up tomorrow and realize we will never touch again. All right, so uh, what happened to Danny? <laughs> If we remember when H.H. Holmes was arrested, he wanted to impress a famous train robber he was locked up with. And so he just started confessing to everything. And this was similar. Bobby Lewis was the only man to ever escape Florida's death row. And like we talked about in part one, Danny escaped from jail multiple times. So he was trying to impress Lewis. He told Bobby Lewis about all the murders and on january 31st 1993 danny agreed to confess to police through bobby lewis well that's a couple years later it took a long time huh yeah they just had him sitting there wow during the three-hour confession danny did not answer any of the investigators questions directly but confirmed the answers given by bobby lewis on his behalf through lewis danny confessed to planning and committing the five murders in Gainesville, but said that a demon named Gemini had taken over his mind. I picture this like a ventriloquist dummy and Danny has his thumb or his hand up Bobby's <laughs> ass. Bobby's talking for him. <laughs> the Gemini killer did it. If I was the police, I'd be so fucking annoyed with this. Like the yeah, things enough. that serial killers do yeah. to like get under the skin of investigators sometimes, which again goes back to like maybe Danny sticking it to like the police. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, you know, I hate you. It's like that scene that one guy who saw the, like the high pitched, like imaginary friend in the police station with him while he was interviewing while the cops were talking to him. He was oh, calling yeah. him names and Joseph, uh, Callinger Callinger. Yeah. It's like that. It's like enough. Right. Yeah. He's talking through someone else. That. You're a pussy. Don't talk to the police. Remember what was, <laughs> he was yelling at him in a high-pitched voice. It was uh, voice. Charlie, his floating head. <laughs> That's right. You're a pussy. <laughs> that also sounds like, uh, oh, fuck. What was the bonus show we did? Can you be a little more specific? On the, uh, no, I'll, th- <laughs> I'll think of it. I'll think of it. That voice. But this is like israel keys too you know i've never heard of her never heard him no i don't think we'll ever cover that one <laughs> but he he did stuff like kind of like this where taunting he, them and he wanted a specific type of coffee mm-hmm. before he would talk and well hopefully it was tim hortons because that's the best it's like you want to do like dark Knight for a second like batman slamming the joker's head off the table <laughs> like <laughs> cops just like turn the camera for a second <laughs> I don't condone uh, that activity, Ian. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, yeah, laughing at that. that's, a, that's a stray. Police were satisfied with Danny's confession, but they didn't buy the evil Gemini aspect of his story um, because they knew from their investigations that Danny had watched The Exorcist 3 during the week of the Gainesville murders and the killer in the movie uh, is possessed by a serious the it's a demon right 
that he's possessed by or is it the spirit of is a serial killer like the demon that possessed the gemini killer right right yeah yeah so oh man it's been a long time since i've seen that i think that's right but that's exactly where danny pulled yeah obviously gemini from yeah. Soon after the confession, Bobby Lewis was moved from the ward, which caused Danny to feel like he was betrayed by Bobby, like these two were supposed to be friends forever. But Danny quickly found someone else to run his mouth to, uh, in a prisoner named Rusty Binstead. This <laughs> I don't know why I find that name funny. God damn, pal. The name Rusty is just funny. I don't know. Like it makes me think of Rusty Trombone and I just start laughing at him. Jesus. <laughs> the guy's 85 years old he's laughing at rusty trombone names <laughs> this time instead of only talking danny wrote the details down in letters and gave them to binstead you mean rusty <laughs> it reminds me of christmas, christmas vacation yeah or any of the vacations really but christmas vacation mostly that's what I think of. Yeah, fair enough. You think not a rusty trombone? No. <laughs> Dave, what is a rusty trombone? I don't get it. A rusty trombone <laughs> is uh, what a rim job while you're getting a reach around hand I job. Think that's what it is, back. right? Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Blowing on the butthole while you're <laughs> pulling <right>. the front. Oh, good times. <laughs> Only one person in this room has had, has their own urban dictionary entry, and it's not Ian or I, so that's true. You're in a vaunted company there, pal. There's actually merchandise that Urban Dictionary sells with my word on it. That's unbelievable. What was it? It's a trapaculation, yeah, right? Yeah. Which was the original act was what? Like trepanning. Yeah, trepanning, which is where you jerk off oh no, you that's fuck the, a skull that's the drilling, <laughs> no. the drilling of the hole is the trepanning and then we were making the joke of it once you you start fucking the hole yeah, and ejaculating it and it's called trepaculating yeah because that's what rocterio did he yeah. drilled that hole and then yeah, after yeah. that lady died he rocterio available in the archives yep. two parts i believe no one, one. yeah Ian said that like he wants another shot at that one. That could be a redo. There's a lot more there. Stop it. Stop it. We're not redoing 2019, Ian. It is what it is. Anyways, yeah. So Trapaculate is now officially on. Someone uploaded it or put it in on Urban Dictionary, and it is there. And credits our show, and you can buy merchandise with Trapaculate on it. That's right. Do you get a a cut of that money? Uh, No, sir. No, I do not. I'm fucking pissed about it. Sorry. That's my intellectual property, and they fucking stole it. It's true. Actually, it's my drunk intellectual property, and they fucking stole it. Either way, it's mine. Any hoodles, that's fine. All right. So Danny gave the original to Binstead with instructions to take a copy and then return it to him. Instead, when Binstead returned to his cell, he told the prisoner in the cell next to him to wait five minutes, then yell, shakedown. When he did, Binstead flushed his toilet to make Danny believe that he had flushed the letter down the toilet, then went and handed it over to prison guards. Clever. Three weeks before the trial was scheduled to begin, Danny asked for a meeting with his attorney, public defender Richard Parker. During this meeting, Danny expressed his uh, desire to plead guilty. Parker attempted to convince Danny that 
although there was a great like a ton of primary evidence against him and his videotape confession really hurt his case there was still a strong case for mitigating factors against the death penalty so his attorney's name was dick parker that was mike uh, that was one of mike's college nicknames he, used to, he parked his dick in every open garage on campus and i guess stamp it said dick parked i'll validate your ass yeah <laughs> They'd, they'd walk around campus just wearing shirts that said validated. And then I would know that I was it was free fair game. <laughs> free parking, if you will. If Danny would maintain his not guilty plea, Parker would attempt to use Danny's life story of abuse and the psychiatric evaluations, which established Danny's mental illnesses of antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia. By pleading guilty, Parker warned him uh, the likelihood of receiving a death sentence was much stronger and it would leave no opportunity to have a conviction overturned in an appeal. You could only appeal the sentence, which not very many people are getting off a death row. (laughs) No. Which would be funnier for our little film or show. If they got off? No, just the, the the overall, like, you know, maybe every now and then his buddy who's only there for six months makes a little jab about like, well, I'll be out of here in six months. Are you gonna what make? are you doing for next Thanksgiving? Uh, I'll be fucking your wife. You know, good tasteful humor like that with a laugh track. He asked him, like, how his wife likes her bird stuff and like double entendres like that. <laughs> be great. Hey, you're not going to be around next year to stuff your wife, help your wife stuff the bird. Maybe I'll stop by. <laughs> like, can we have a dark ending now where he like cuts off the guy's face or something and somehow like switches places with him? Well, now they execute now the wrong guy. Now we're getting ridiculous. That's better. Maybe. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Look, if Netflix buys it, they can do whatever the fuck they want to it. If HBO buys it, they can do whatever the fuck they want to it. Just pay me. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of the warnings, Danny went ahead with the change. And he said that the reason was that he didn't want the crime scene photographs to be shown. Parker asked Danny to take the three weeks before the trial date to think about it. Sounds like he wanted the death penalty. The week before the trial, Danny signed a three-page agreement at the Florida State Prison, which effectively made his new guilty plea official. Just in case, Parker met with Judge Stanley R. Morris to inform him of Danny's plea and requested that it not be announced until February 15th when jury selection began. The only person to be informed of Danny's decision was prosecutor Rod Smith. In the courtroom on February 15th, there were a few members of the public and media. The families of the victims were all present, but no one from Danny's family was there. His mother was suffering from cancer, and she was too sick to be there. The only person that was there to support him was his fiancée, Sandra London, who we are definitely going to talk about at the end. It came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> that's, a, that's quite a story there. It's... um. Danny's announcement that he would be pleading guilty was received with shock and just the complete silence in the courtroom. Danny had taken complete responsibility for the murders. 
all that was needed to be determined by the jury was whether or not he would receive the death penalty. It was the responsibility of the jury to weigh the aggravating factors presented by the prosecution and the mitigating circumstances presented by the defense. According to Florida law, there were 11 possible aggravating circumstances. At least one of these needed to be proved by the prosecution for the jury to determine that the death penalty was warranted. The defense had no restrictions on what evidence it could use as mitigating factors, and only seven of the 12 jurors needed to be in agreement to make a recommendation to the court, and it was then up to the judge whether or not he would accept it. So opening arguments began on Tuesday, March 7th, 1994. The prosecution claimed that it would be successful in proving five of the 11 possible aggravating circumstances. The crimes were cold-blooded and premeditated. The crimes were committed during sexual battery. The crimes were particularly heinous, atrocious, and cruel. The offender had a prior history of felony convictions. The crimes were committed for the purpose of escaping detection or avoiding arrest, particularly in the cases of Sonia Larson and Manuel Taboda. I don't hear any wrong statements there. Yeah, there's definitely enough evidence yeah, for all there's that. There's a lot of aggravating circumstances. The defense would attempt to prove the following mitigating circumstances. That Danny suffered mental illness at the time of the crimes. The crimes were committed under extreme stress. Danny grew up in an abusive household. And there was a history of drug and alcohol abuse. And that Danny showed remorse for what he had done. Danny hoped that by pleading guilty, it would save him from having the details of his crime made public, but he was way off on that. State attorney Rod Smith made sure that everything was presented in the death penalty case. So one by one, prosecutor brought forward the state's evidence against Danny. Uh, the DNA matches with the semen found at three of the sites because once they got that matching blood type, and they had the confessions and they moved on with doing the DNA because, you know, back in the early nineties, it was so expensive, Yeah, but they wanted to really hammer this home that they had their guy items found at Danny's campsite, including the screwdriver duct tape and a pair of black pants stained with Manuel Taboda's blood, a handwriting match from a note found at one of the scenes. Many of the details of the murders and the crime scenes told to inmates by Danny. Proof of Danny's purchase of a K-bar knife matching the one that was used in the murders. The handwritten confession given to Rusty Binstead. And finally, the videotape confession Danny made to investigators through Bobby Lewis. Seems like a lot of evidence. And also stuff you probably shouldn't keep at your campsite if you're a murderer. Agreed. The prosecutor then presented a long list of Danny's violent crimes, which alone was a strong mitigating factor. In total, Danny was held responsible for eight counts of armed robbery and one count of attempted robbery, one count of armed bank robbery, and two counts of aggravated assault of a police officer, which these were committed over four different states. As things started to wrap up, Court TV did an interview with Danny's mother from her home uh, where Danny's father could be heard screaming off camera, giving everybody a taste of that abusive side. 
Well, I mean, in his defense, he did shoot him in the fucking head. That's true. I wouldn't be, I'm not sure I would be all that happy. <laughs> but that also plays to his benefit, right? It's showing off that he's got an abusive dad if he's yelling in the background. Yeah, I suppose. But So, I mean, that could work either way, depending on how you want to play it. Are you talking about our fucking kid that shot me yeah. in the head? Like he's like in the, the other prosecution room can be like, you see, he shot this man. He's upset. The defense can be like, you see how angry yeah, this guy yeah. is. He's been this way his whole life. Danny's mother also testified to the abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though they were still oh, married and guy he's in a bullet wound in the middle of his head. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> On April 20th, 1994, Danny Rowling was sentenced to death for the five murders in Florida. Shortly before he was executed in Florida for the Gainesville murders, Danny admitted to the Shreveport Grissom murders, handing Reverend Mike Hudspeth and Florida police a handwritten confession and apology. Danny had a last meal of lobster tail, sang a gospel hymn, but made no statement immediately before his execution, which was witnessed by many of the victim's families. I have a question and maybe we'll cover this on a bonus show one day. Cause we said we we're going to do a, a whole show on last meals. Who cooks the last meals? Are these prison chefs making oh, it? Oh, that's a good question where you're like, eh, can you get a real chef to maybe cook right. my or meal? Like, are they getting it delivered in? Like, they are they bringing order a, out? Are they bringing a lobster in for the prison chefs to to cook up for him? No, that doesn't make sense, does it? But, no, they would just but, order it. But why do they care? So. Yeah, you think they order it out? It's probably easier just to order it out. Like done. They're like Olive Garden. We need some, you know, chicken parm. Yeah, a lobster tail. Mm. You know, breadsticks, whatever else. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying like the nearest restaurant now is on call for like preparing whatever this guy wants. I mean, a lot of these prisons are not close to restaurants. You know, they're, they're kind of out, you know, a little bit of removed from cities. There's not a ton of restaurants it's an around. Interesting these question. The logistics around this, we're yeah. going to have to do the talk about that in the show. Are they just brought in cold and they're like, fuck it. We don't give a shit. You're going to be put to death. Here's your, you know, we delivered this from Cleveland. It's 90 minutes away. Here's your lobster tail and your filet. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's a great question. We have that. Um, my wife ordered that book for us upstairs. Whole book on last meals and whatnot. So we yeah. got some good source material. But I wonder if it gets into that, though. Like, I know I, it probably doesn't. We have to call some wardens and ask. Where does it come from? What's the logistics around yeah. having that food delivered? I, I don't want to be challenging in any way. Like, I, you know, I just want to know realistically, where do you get it from? Yeah, it's a good question. Or do you ship it in? You have your own uh, kitchen staff cook it. I don't know because they're not really concerned with how well it's cooked. Right? Exactly. Like, That's my point. The quality like, of what they're like, serving. Are they just like, whatever, fuck this. Like, you know, they're prison cooks that are they really cooking lobster? Yeah. Like they don't know what the fuck. Like inmate rusty in the kitchen. He can cook the meal. We don't give a fuck what it tastes <laughs> like. <laughs> While he's giving himself a reach around. <laughs> I mean, are, so what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, he's cooking, getting a rusty trombone. Are you better off just ordering like chicken wings because you know they're going to come from like the sports bar down mm, the street? Good point. Like a lobster, it sounds delicious, but is, is it even really going to be, you know, prepared? Well, I would eat, order whatever, like chicken tartare will give you uh, explosive <laughs> diarrhea. So there's one last fuck you. They got to clean me up when I shit myself. But then you so you just not enjoy your last meal? Like, you think you'll enjoy chicken tartare though? Yeah, well, probably not. Yeah. You want to enjoy at least something, right? Yeah, that's a good point. All right, chicken tartare and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> I don't, I think, you just, I don't think you're getting a bottle well, of whiskey. Well, you could try, right? You could try. You can always ask. 
what's the worst they're going to do? Say no? Because then at least you could eat all the chicken and just drink all the whiskey and then be like, well, now you're in big trouble. Now I'm going to be fucking hung over explosive diarrhea. Better way. What a way to go, right? <laughs> right. All right. Anyways, I have questions about all that. <laughs> evacuate this earth and evacuate your bowels all over the floor of the death chamber. So Danny was executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison on October 25th, 2006, after the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a last-ditch appeal. He was pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m. Did they have any of those people outside cheering like they did for Bundy? And I'm sure. Yeah, they always gather out there. And the, the tie-in to Eileen Warnos that I said, the guy who was filing his appeals was Steve Glazer, Eileen's lawyer that was uh, really scamming all the money or uh, using her for profit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Really? Yeah. And uh, Jeb Bush was the one that signed uh, Danny Rowling to death. Uh, As he did Eileen Warnos, right? Same year it happened. He kind of cleaned house right bef- in 2006. And death, multiple people were put to death. Yeah. I don't know if that you was an election those, year or something. You got to get those votes, right? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if he Mid-term was up. Elections. Yeah, probably was. Midterm yeah. elections, at least. Mm. So, yeah, he kind of cleaned house on death row. Or was it that time that a lot of states started uh, blocking or, or prohibiting the death penalty? Maybe he was anticipating like a Supreme Court ruling on the death penalty and wanted to kill as many people as possible before they had to put the brakes on. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It could have been. So wrapping up with Sandra London, she said that she was first inspired to write about crime after reaching a plateau in her career as a technical writer. She contacted serial killer G.J. Schaefer, an ex-cop who was doing two life sentences for murder, and Sandra dated him in high school. The two of them started collaborating on a book of writings by Schaefer, that were supposed to be fiction, but they pretty much described his own crimes. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. They released a collection of short stories titled Killer Fiction. And during this time, Schaefer became increasingly obsessed with Sandra and started telling her details of his crimes in prison visits and handwritten letters. Sandra ended the professional relationship with Schaefer after he threatened to kill her if she were to ever show authorities his incriminating letters. Sandra went on to file these written threats and confessions with the court in defense of a lawsuit that Schaefer filed against her because according to him, she was falsely stating Schaefer was a serial killer. After reading 500 pages of Schaefer's handwritten statements, the judge threw out that lawsuit. Kind of a good thing that came out of this was that because of Sandra London turning this stuff over to cold case murders that Schaefer committed in Ocala national forests were solved. That's well, good. Yeah. And the national forest, otherwise those would have been attributed to missing four one one, right? <laughs> That's a good and point. Case closed. Sandra then collaborated with Danny Rowling in writing the making of a serial killer and the real story of the, the Gainesville murders. It's kind of like a memoir which included Danny's confessions along with other capital crimes that Danny had not been charged with that he claimed he committed. Uh, And then the two of them got engaged and then started a romantic relationship. The book ended up being published by a company called Farrow House and was illustrated with 50 pictures hand-drawn by Danny while he was in prison. Sandra and Danny were sued by the state of Florida under the Son of Sam law 
which had been declared unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court. It really fought back against the son of San Juan, hmm. Sandra London. Did she win? Or is that the case that no, the book. got it thrown out, the law thrown out? Yeah. Oh, the book. Yes. You, you can get the book on Amazon. There's a second. There's a second printing. Gross. Mm. I started to read it, and I'm like, it's it's a lot, all that Gemini bullshit. The yeah, Gemini yeah, made him yeah, do yeah. it. Uh, what are the other crimes he confessed for that he was? Uh, I didn't read the full book yeah. for that. I I started reading it. I'm like, this is really obnoxious. Yeah, because it's it's really just him writing a book, and Sandra put her name on it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's awful. What's this deal with Sandra London though? Two different. She's like this. She's just serial killer kind of groupie. A fetishist for her. Yeah. Fangirl. Yeah. Like the serial killer. Okay. A conjugal visits in Florida? Yes or no? I don't know. Probably not. Huh? Legally, no. Ted Bundy, the woman that got obsessed with him that he used to date back in mm-hmm. high school or whatever, they fucked in the. Uh, she had a kid, didn't she? Yeah, he got her pregnant yeah. while he was fucking on trial for murder. I don't think they do that anymore in most places. Well, that kind of got frowned upon. He wasn't allowed to. Oh. They just snuck and did that in the, one of like the visiting areas. Oh. Lacks uh, supervision. Hmm. So we'll blame that on. So that's the story of Danny Rowling. I don't, uh, I'm not a fan of Danny. This is not at all what I expected it to be when we put this on the uh, agenda. No? Just, just really intense. Yeah, like it's a two lot. weeks of just hardcore murder and gruesomeness and it's awful psychoticness and sad story too. Like, I mean, we talked about last week. I don't want it to go on, you know, forgetting forgotten was the abuse and like the head trauma he suffered along with the the mental health issues too. I guess that's the question everybody's always going to ask is what causes yeah. this to happen because there's people that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's real victims in this story who were murdered and brutalized and raped and all of that. I don't mean to to minimize that by any means. I'm happy to see him go. Good, good death penalty case. This someone is the world could do without. He didn't deserve to have be fed three meals a day. No, and, glad he's gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't agree, but okay. <laughs> We've had this debate a thousand times. It's boring at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's just no room. No. Uh -uh. I also think rape should be punishable by death, but. All right. On the next show, we'll talk about that in depth (laughs) for four hours. (laughs) On what rape being punishable by death? (laughs) Another fun film episode. It's just, I don't know, just a level of um, brutality. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever want to think about this guy again. It's the but, only but guy that putting him to death does not change that. Change what? Like we're still thinking about this guy again. Oh, I thought you were still making an argument for the death penalty. <laughs> like, you want to keep that? it going? No, no, I thought he was. <laughs> I, I didn't. No, no, I said I don't ever want to think about this yeah. guy again. No, it's I'm glad he's uh, off the planet. It's, it's terrible. Uh, it's a terrible guy. Killing doesn't make killing right, but still, he he's the only one that that's bothered me. Writing about it, like actually, made me kind of paranoid feeling we talked about it earlier like he's low-key one of the worst we've ever discussed it's the randomness because some guy could come to your back door and jimmy that fucking lock open and you're asleep and he could put one through your heart yeah yeah 
because it could happen to anybody. And the thing is, is like you said, Mike earlier brought up our, our hometown asshole in the, the black challenger. You know, that guy is looking at people. He's skirting right on the line of being there being an issue, but looking in windows and there's a guy driving around town, looking at kids playing and he's taking pictures of them driving around with no shirt on like super, a super creep, but not crossing that line of illegality. But the thing is, is that everybody like a Danny rolling, a golden state killer. They all started by looking in windows and watching people. Right. So any of the three of us end up dead. Let's look at some black uh, challengers, right? Yes. (laughs) Continue the episode, the shows (laughs) one man down and we'll solve that case. This guy should be the number one suspect for anything like that in town. If something happens for sure. Hmm. But between that guy. Yeah. Yeah. We're calling you out challenger. Fucking come at us. Well, he was, I, I live near a school close enough to yeah. a school and I saw him there and I opened up my front door. And as soon He's as out. I opened yeah. that, my front door, he took off. You don't want none of that cool mm-hmm. now media coming after him. So that's what knows between that and then reading this and then a little bit of weed mixed in those three things. <laughs> I was fucking paranoid one night. You're going to throw down, boy. <laughs> fucking fucking out of house like he's Danny Trejo. <laughs> and I was laying in bed and I'm thinking about Danny Rowling because I just got done reading the book. Like I finished it up and I'm like, I'm going to get up and just check all my locks. And I just made, I've never done that with any true crime stuff before, but this one really, really bugged me. Yeah. You know what else helps Ian? If you close your curtains. My cl- my curtains are closed. I know you do well with that. Sometimes I don't, this but guy, I, not so much. But you do well. <laughs> Sometimes I forget and I don't. And I'm actually just sitting right next to the window with it wide open at you know one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, with the fucking parking lot across the street. <laughs> yeah, when we're just fucking looking in. But after the Challenger thing the other the other week, I don't. I've made sure that I close them at eight o'clock. Or I hope they get started. that guy right. for whatever he's done because it's it's just weird. I'm not saying he's a killer or a murderer or whatever, but when you're fucking parking across from schools, you're taking pictures of kids at parks. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do something now before we have to do something after the fact. Exactly. Every creep that looks in windows doesn't become a murderer, but every sexual murderer that looks in windows or every sexual murderer looked in windows at one point. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Also, did you say Danny Trejo? Like you think Ian's all stoned looking in his mirror? Like, am I machete? I'm machete, yeah. right? <laughs> well, first of all, when I think of Danny Trejo, I think of a fucking badass. And so I think like Ian's like walking out of his house with like a machete and just like, you know, drawn around his neck. And he's just like, come on, let's go. I'm coming at you. He starts you, hacking up the yeah. challenger right. with the machete. Right. You fuck with machete in my neighborhood. <laughs> that movie is so good. That's, That's great. a bet. Any movie Fantastic. Danny Trejo's in. I, I was pretty hot when I opened up the front door. You know, Danny Trejo's got a beer also that's out. Oh, yeah? Available locally. Just had it this weekend. Really? Yeah. Good? It's like a Mexican lager. It's oh, good. Yeah. It's yeah. good. I would never tell him it was anything other than excellent, <laughs> but it's also very good. I liked it. I like Mexican beers. You do, too. You like, you'd like it. I do. All right. Ian, final thoughts. I know we kind of summed it all up, but you got anything else? Um. The only thing that I had was that uh, there was a message sent to me by Nicolette Thomas that uh, Danny Rowling was the inspiration for Scream. I think I read that actually. That the that makes sense. The guy who wrote the um, 
like okay. the, the script screenplay? or whatever. yeah the screenplay ended up reading about him like how danny rowling did this weekend of you know these mm, real quick yeah. college murders and yeah all right you know that first one when he was uh, naked i was gonna i thought that maybe that was his mo the whole time and did you ever see the movie 10 to midnight no in the 80s with charles bronson mm-hmm. the guy who stripped down and and killed girls like that it's really good good old slasher film from the 80s sounds good yeah it's awesome that's what it reminded me of they wear a fanny pack at least i uh, know butcher knife completely naked mm. maybe some socks i don't remember i think we should get some necronompod uh, fanny, fanny packs, packs. <laughs> wonder if those would sell uh, not to me they won't well, i'd buy one for sure <laughs> fucking rock that thing all the time nothing in your pockets dave think of how free you'd be it's sit no wallet no phone you're comfortable i do like to be comfortable i'm just saying try it out with your zubas come on <laughs> i feel like a fanny pack would be good for the zoo I could get on board with that. Yeah. Of, why not? You have your cash right there. Yeah. Good to go. Like, you, think of, you, you, you think of it to the zoo. Like, <laughs> oh, when I go to the zoo, of course. He's picturing himself with Steelers Zuba pants and a fanny pack <laughs> walking around the zoo. He's like, that was going to be, be the awesome. greatest thing ever. Power walking <laughs> to the even. gorillas. Just walking around with your family with your, your black and yellow Zubas and your fanny pack. <laughs> Speed walking. Come on, kids. We're almost at the giraffes. <laughs> What's the hold up? The primates are right up here. Come on. (laughs) What are you guys in slow motion? (laughs) He's got like little weights on his ankles. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dave, you got any final thoughts on this? I don't have anything. I fucking hate this guy. He is a piece of shit. I don't want to ever think about him again. Not a good guy. He he went out with lobster, though. That's something. It's not bad. We really should do that bonus show on uh, last meals. That'd be interesting. Yeah, we should. I want to talk about all of it. All right, we got some patron shout-outs. Got some good ones tonight. God damn, there's a lot of them. Ooh-wee. All right, uh, first, thank you very much to Rosie, Aussie Gibbo, Kai, Jason Benson, Lizzie, Johnny Schmuff, Marmaduke Shazbot, Caitlin Dalvalli, Andrew Fitchell, The Real Girl Meat Hunter, Brandy, Megan Connolly, or Megan Connolly. Peyton Graham, Carolyn Day, Gary Roberts, Ashley Luongo, Daniel Strasberg, Ruby Tuesday, Terry Ward, Anna Armbuster, Arm oh I'm excuse, excuse me Arm Brewster, Anna Arm Brewster, Josh, Carrie Roberts, Amanda, Dylan Funk, Melissa A. Delap, Andrew Martin. Zoe Dalton doing this for the Speedway Raccoon updates. Ian, we got any Speedway I, Raccoon updates? Nope. I quit smoking, so and I quit my vape, so So you're telling us Do not see them anymore. So now we're losing patrons because of you. Yeah. How dare you, sir? I, I could give other random updates on animals that I see <laughs> throughout my life, but yeah, no more be, raccoons. That'd be beneficial, at least. Your lungs, thank you. Your lungs, thank you. The patrons don't. This is the longest I've gone since eighth grade. Let's Good, keep it well, up. Good for you, man. Yeah. I did see some deer not that long ago that I tried to walk up and pet, but they ran away. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because they're not fucking <laughs> raccoons who are eating trash. 
I was Who down in bond with you, you know, the playground down by my house. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was down there with my kids and there was a baby deer and I went walking up like I, and trying to pet it. But then the mom came out and like, Nope, I'm going to turn, yeah. turn around and walk away. They saw Bambi. They know how that ends. Then the dad came out and put an antler through his rib cage. <laughs> <laughs> he had a fist of cup with a, with a daddy deer. <laughs> uh, thank you to Colin Madison, Renee 04. Maria Fernandez, Mr. Juan, Dewey, Mahisa Mara, The Dude, Ratchet Saturn Girl, Justin Wiki, Tanner, Cynthia Christ, Ryan Walburn, Ryan McDowell, Jared Tegerton, Lucy Elseman, Tommy Goodwin, Nicole Bauman, Abby Flickinger, Mackenzie Lubitz, Philippa, Louis Anand, Dwayne, I'm sorry, Lisa Anand, Dwayne Peterson, Rose, Trevi B, Marnie Lovelin, Lovelin Bopsdork, Tessa Vogel, JJ Stenard, Nathan, and Joshua. Thank you very much to all of you. To all of our patrons, we, are, we have $1, $5, and $10 levels, but we also have a few people that pledge or are patrons for more than $10, and we want to give a special shout-out to all of you. So thank you very much if you give more than the $10 level. Hall of Fame. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. A few $20 and plus even. Thank you very much. It's unnecessary, but we appreciate it. Thank you. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Brian153, Rad Mark, and ISU Barts03. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Dave, what do you got? I I don't have anything uh, particular at all. Nothing tonight. Pass. Pass from me. Hard pass. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod. Amazon.com, search Necronomapod patreon.com slash necronomapod uh also if you go to necronomapod.com we still have our three pack of stickers on sale it's a halloween exclusive we've extended uh six dollars and 66 cents for a three pack of stickers might go away at any time you never can tell yeah we don't know could sell out any minute we're getting close go check it out but that's at uh, necronomapod.com necronomapod.com is the only place where you can buy merch directly from us the rest is from amazon.com and if unless amazon if amazon is the seller you know it's legit if it's from anybody else it's bootleg and they're stealing so don't buy from them fuck those people exactly all right all right you guys ready for a cool down beer cheers <laughs>